Hello and welcome to Sermons by the Park, the weekly sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. At Union, we believe in the radical welcome of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Word of God to inspire and transform us. We're happy to share that message with you wherever you are on life's journey. Now here's this week's message. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 14 to 24 and 32 to 36. Then Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy, and I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Listen, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. As you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made with both Lord and Messiah this Jesus whom you crucified. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. We had a wonderful Bible study this week looking at that scripture. It is uh, the first sermon we see in the New Testament uh, delivered by Peter. It, it stands on its own two feet, but I would like to add just two more verses this morning for us to consider. This comes from the letter to the Hebrews in the 12th chapter. Let's continue to listen for God's word for us here today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. 
About three weeks ago, I wasn't here on Sunday morning. It was because I was running my first ever half marathon in Providence. It says here, pause for applause. <laughs> please, please. I do not tell you that for the applause. I tell you that because um, it was not impressive. In fact, it was so much harder than I thought that it would be. Going into it, I was a little nervous because I'd never run that far before. So the weekend before, I'd done a nice, easy training run. I'd stretched out and gone 13.1 miles on a nice, soft, gravel, flat running path. And I proved to myself that I could do it. I could run 13.1 miles. And I felt so good afterwards, I thought maybe I'd even shave some time off next week. Well, then race day came down in Providence, and I ran those 13.1 miles on unforgiving hard concrete, and the course was not flat. It was hilly, and, and, and there was no, like, heartbreak hill at mile 20 like on the Boston Marathon, but there was in the middle this long uphill stretch, just this steady grade that seemed to go on for miles because it did go on for miles. <laughs> I came out of the gate, warmed up, ready to go, psyched. I was running at pace with the uh, tail end of the group of finishers uh, uh, around two hours, and so I had confidently joined that group. In the first two or three miles, I was great. I was doing so well. And then that hill started, and I started to slow down, and I made my way over to the side, and dozens and then hundreds, probably thousands of people, it felt like, passed by me. I felt like I was about done running at mile four, and then there were nine more miles after that. And I was telling this to someone, uh, an experienced marathon runner, and they asked me, did you get your second win? And I thought about it, and I said, if I did, it sure didn't feel like it. Because the, the second wind is, is something that's also called a runner's high. It's where the body releases endorphins into the brain and the nervous system. These, these attach to the opiate receptors in the body, which uh, ease pain and give you a kind of giddy feeling. The second wind is supposed to take away your pain. It allows a runner to, to carry on. So they tell me. But the phrase second wind actually has a more precise physiological uh, definition that uh, scientists have identified. When the body initially begins a strenuous activity, it relies upon what's called anaerobic metabolism. This is where the body produces energy without using oxygen. It's an incredible superpower that our bodies possess. If you've ever swam underwater holding your breath, you've experienced anaerobic metabolism. Even though you're not breathing, your body still works. It's an incredible thing. But of course, eventually you have to come up for air. This is because anaerobic metabolism is good for a quick burst of energy, but it, it has all these bad-for-you byproducts in your body. It causes lactic acid to build up in your muscles, and it causes your lungs to burn. But the body is an amazing thing. It it will adapt to new situations. And so as you're continuing on in your strenuous activity, the body will adapt and switch over from anaerobic metabolism 
to aerobic metabolism. This is your body using oxygen as it normally does in the regular course of events. And when this happens, your blood oxygen levels increase, your muscles work more sustainably, circulation improves and it flushes out all that bad stuff from the anaerobic phase. This switchover of your metabolism is what the second wind describes. It gives you renewed energy, reduces stress and fatigue on the body and provides an overall improvement in the body's performance. And that phenomenon, I think, is actually what Pentecost is really about celebrating. Because in the Bible, it turns out that the Holy Spirit comes down on Pentecost, but if you read carefully, this is not the first time the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John's Gospel, as we heard Riley singing about, when Jesus appeared to the disciples to show his hands and his feet in the upper room, that is when the disciples first received the Holy Spirit. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in John's Gospel as a comforter, as an advocate. It is God with us, enabling us, even when we are confused and afraid like the disciples were on that first Easter night, to feel comforted by the presence of Jesus. And the way Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit is he breathed on them. They received his breath, and in that breath received the very breath of God, and all of the comfort and the peace that comes with it. And then for 40 days, the disciples hung out with the risen Jesus. They saw him go here and there and continue to do signs and wonders. But eventually, eventually Jesus rose into heaven. And now their faith had to transition. It had to switch over from a person-based faith with Jesus there with them to a spirit-based one. And that's what happens on Pentecost. Jesus is no longer there in person, but his spirit descends, and the disciples get their second wind. They burst out of the house where they were staying into the crowd, and all the people from all throughout the Mediterranean basin heard them speaking in their own language. It was such a wild, chaotic scene. The people assumed that the disciples were drunk. And Peter set them straight. This is not Sunday brunch. It's only nine in the morning. This was, in fact, the fulfillment of the promise of God, that God would pour out God's Spirit upon a generation who would then give that Spirit to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. Peter's sermon that day captures the message of the Gospel, recalling the story of Jesus' passion and death and resurrection the same story we celebrate each and every Sunday. We remember that Christ was crucified because of the sinfulness of the world, but we also celebrate. We celebrate that death was not the end, and indeed the whole world is being lifted up even now by the Spirit of God. Peter proclaimed that day, we are all witnesses. He says, every one of us, 12 here, we saw the risen Christ, they were willing to put themselves on the stand and testify to the truth of their experiences. And so convincing was Peter's testimony that day, it says in Acts, that the hearers of the sermon were 
cut to the heart. And the people came to Peter and they asked, what should we do? What should we do with what you've just told us? If, if what you're saying is true, what should we do? Well, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Turn away from the things in your life that keep you away from the love of God and turn instead towards what gives you life. Turn towards what gives you a second wind from heaven, like cool water splashed on your forehead on a hot day. It says in Acts that 3,000 people were baptized that day. 3,000 people. And while that number is not important, it is a reminder that many, many people have come before us, and even now, have heard the story of Jesus, they've heard that he was God's son, that he is our savior, that he died and was raised from death, and that we can trust in Jesus. Many have heard... And many have believed that story enough to claim this faith and begin a new kind of life. And so surrounded by this numberless cloud of witnesses, we all as a church are at the starting line of a race that God sets before us. It's not as simple as running a half marathon or even a marathon or anything. This race of faith is not simple. The race of being the church especially in this day and age, is not simple. The race, in fact, is so much harder than we ever think it will be because the road is not easy and flat. It is hard and hilly. Thank God. Thank God that Christ comes before us, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, showing us the way, inspiring us, and then giving us the gift of this second wind that comforts invigorates and renews us to run this race. Thank the Lord that today we get this second wind. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Union Congregational Church and our life together, you can visit our website, churchbythepark.org, or find us on social media at churchbythepark. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you.